this computer. Okay, we are live in three, two, one. Hassan Bay, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. How's Karachi doing? Like all well in general? Things the scene. Karachi's great, you know, city of lights and <laughs> shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's too good. That's too good. So I want to give a brief instruction about you and then uh, but I, I don't want to give it, I want you to give it, but I want you to do like your name and what you do, and then I want interesting fact about you just to like get the juices flowing. An interesting fact about me. So my name is Hassan Habib. Uh, I'm the CEO and uh, founder of Designist, a human-centered design agency here in Karachi, Pakistan. And an interesting fact about me is that uh, I never finished high school or and, and I never got a bachelor's degree, but oh. I have two master's degrees. I had no idea. I actually had no idea about that either. That's insane. Wait, you never finished? Really? You never finished high school? No. But you have two masters though? <laughs> yep. That's crazy. That just goes to show like you don't, you don't even need school. <laughs> that's crazy. Wait, that's insane. I didn't even know that. Damn. Wow. <laughs> so what was it like? Like you just didn't you just didn't apply for university? Like that just that was never a process you no, went no, through. No, no, I no, no. I applied to university. I got into university early. That's why I bounced. So in Pakistan, you have 13 years of school. Okay. And in Canada, you only need 12 years of school. Um and then you can apply to uni. So that's what I did. So I, I got in a year earlier. Oh, and, okay. Uh, but then and I got into U of T for a year. And then I dropped out after a year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. What, were you, what did you initially major in when you were at U of T? Economics. Economics. Okay, I see. I see. So then, you, so then you dropped out and then straight away did you do your master's? Or did you drop out, wait a bit and then do your no, master's? No, no, no. No, no. Then I went to Vancouver. Uh, but before Vancouver, I got rejected from design school twice. I tried to go to OCAD. They didn't take me in the first time. I don't know why. The second time I had an interview, they're like, uh, what is design? And I was stumped. And, uh, and okay. I said, I don't know. And then they said, oh, you should go do a foundation in art and design and then reapply. And I was like, Okay, sure. And then I applied to the only foundation in art and design, which was in Vancouver at the Vancouver Film School. So I went there and then uh, I fell in love with Vancouver and the Vancouver Film School. And I ended up uh, doing uh, two diploma programs. Actually, I ended up doing three diploma programs out of two I finished, one I didn't. And um, and then uh, I got into my master's because the school accumulated all the education I had and all the work experience I had. And then they said, okay, you can do a master's degree. So that's how that happened. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So three, so three diplomas you, you got. I got okay. two out of three. Two out of three, two out of three. Okay. 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 I see. But then, so that leads yeah. me in. My I just question. didn't, I just, I just, yeah, I just didn't finish the final project of one of them. Okay. Okay. But how did you like first get interested in design? Like, did you like it when you were a kid? Did you like, how, when was the period that you knew like, I actually love design. I want to, I want to actually pursue that. Because I think you're the first in the family so, right, to really go for like a specific niche, I would say. Not the first, but I would say like you're, you've really, I mean, design is something new. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I've always drawn, uh, I've always done art. I still always draw, I'm drawing 
now as we speak. So <laughs> uh, drawing has always been part of what I do, right? And yeah. uh, I loved design as in like the making of things. I wanted to go to art school, you know? Yeah. But I didn't want to be a fine artist. I wanted to be a designer. But I didn't actually know the true meaning of design until I actually started doing my master's. So if I had to ask you, mm-hmm. even though you're asking me questions, <laughs> if I had to ask you, yeah. uh, what what is design? What would you say? I would be stumped. <laughs> and then I would call you. No, okay, but if I had to say, well, what is design? I don't know. For me, I probably think something that, I don't know, it's really my, my definition would be something very simple and brief. It'd be like something that just... Uh, it's a it's a process of making things look good. You know that that that's what I would assume. Uh, okay. That's like my process very, what, of making th- yeah. So the process of making things look good. Yeah. So what's the difference between that and art? Art is more like um I guess it's more subjective art. I find that like, I guess like um. Like art isn't someone drawing something like like painting things like that. That's what you mean by art. And I would say like the difference is that that's more subjective and like I think personal. But I think design is more like for um, I think it's a lot more. It's not. It's more. It's less subjective. Like more, everybody can look at design and be like, I like that UI design or, or something like that. I don't know. That's that's just my. But I want to know your answer. Yeah, you're, you're half. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're halfway there, right? So what design yeah. really is is is. is and in the simplest way is taking an existing situation and making it better than what it was before. And design is that process of doing that. Okay. And then taking design it. uses art. So design uses art to make things look good. Okay. So taking an existing situation, making it better. Like that's the, that's the definition basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like problem solving. Right. Okay. So design is a process of, identifying challenges or problems and then finding new ways to solve those problems okay then what's what's design thinking because i keep seeing that you're doing these like i always see on linkedin it's like uh you're giving a talk on design thinking and i'm always thinking like what is design thinking exactly so if design is like if design is the process of making things look better then design thinking would be like would be how to like, would you be discussing how to make that like the process of doing that like how would... yeah it's the process so it's Design thinking is a process of understanding human needs and uh, empathizing with people and coming up with ideas and prototypes and testing those and then seeing what works. And then it's it's a marriage between uh, what people need, uh, what technology can build, and uh, is it viable as a business strategy to do. So it's it's a mix of these three things. Okay. Okay. So but so how long have you been running designers for? Like how long has it been? It's been five and a half years. Five and a half years. Okay. So you found that like in the process of like I'm sure you've learned a lot. Like what, what would you say a couple of things that you've learned um in the in the five plus years of running designers? Like one thing that if you could go back in time, I mean, look yeah. at yourself and then tell yourself, like, hey, try this something or whatever. So some to that to that extent, what would you? I would say if I had to go back five years and tell myself what to do was define a process for everything beforehand. Okay, okay. can you go a bit in depth on that? Like, what do you mean? So meaning that I would actively design my myself and my organization, right? So initially things were being done very ad hoc, you know, and still a lot of 
believe it or not, the organization, a lot of things we still do ad hoc. So I would say, no, we should have a process for every, every single thing we do in the organization. So everybody's on the same page and, and you're producing work that's just amazing, professional, and everyone loves. And the experience of working is good for both uh, the people who work for my organization and uh, for the clients who work with us. Okay. So just want to touch a bit on one experience. I'm just curious. So during the pandemic, were you operating in office or were you at home? Like what was the scene for you? We were, we were, we were remote. Uh, remote. We went okay. completely remote. In fact, we went, we went remote one week before the announcement of a lockdown. So we okay. had already, already practiced being remote before going remote. And, um, and thank God we were using tools like Slack and Zoom before that. So it was okay. a very easy transition. Okay. And till today, like we're still 50% remote and, and, and people in the organization have the freedom to work from home or work from the office. Okay. But how, how do you think like uh, it's impacted um, the work? Like, do you think that it's made you like people have become a lot more efficient for you and Crotchy or is it like, or do you think it's become a bit more, um like a bit slow and and things like that like how would you look i i think remote working works different for different people you know if you have to put your head down and just get something done Mm -hmm. sometimes doing that um from home is much better because you're just focused right no distractions but if you have to brainstorm and you need to be collaborative uh and co-creative then you want to come to the office you want to have a huddle you want to brainstorm together and get get ideas out there so that would that would be my that's like what works for me and what works for our team so um okay okay see what what's um what's your day-to-day like because i want to know like because i mean you you're like really busy man like you're like your uh your schedule is like damn i need to find a slot for this guy so that's why i appreciate you coming on because i'm thinking like let me just get him whenever he's whenever he can i think like during ramzan is <laughs> the best time to do it but um but what what's your day-to-day like like okay let's say day-to-day during ramzan and day-to-day after ramzan if it changes at all or not or it doesn't change so i mean it, it doesn't change that much to be honest uh uh so before Ramzan, I would still wake up for Fajr okay. and then I would go back to sleep, you know, okay. yeah. or I would wake up for Fajr and I would, um, I would stay, I would wake up at the end, right before the Kazakh, okay. or right okay. before, okay. for the prayer needs to end, right? So I would yeah. pray and then I would start my day. So uh, three times a week, I would go play golf first thing in the morning okay. and then I would start my day and Ramzan is different. I will... I'll go back to sleep, but after I'm done work, because Ramzan time, the day shrinks. So you get off work by around 4 p.m. Okay. Uh, regularly at 6 p.m. So at 5 p.m., 5.15, I'm on the golf course three times a week. And oh, I'm wow, finishing okay. nine holes. Wow. Damn. Golf course, and man, then, I'm missing and golf. Then, and then you're, and then you're yeah, yeah, I'm missing golf too. I haven't played this week. But, uh, but what's it called? On your day-to-day, it's just work, right? You have mm-hmm. meetings with clients. You have meetings with your team. You have your own personal time where you're thinking about your organization, how to make it better. So uh, okay. that's how majority of my day is spent. Okay. You know, I want to talk a bit about the personal time because I've been thinking like recently, like um, I think it's really important to have personal time to just think 
about like just to think about things and the way they are and how you can make them better. But I, like, I don't know. So I want to ask you for advice on that because I don't know. I don't know what to do. Sometimes I find myself doing work um, and then I'm like, okay, you know, like let's think about like uh, let's think about doing something. Like I, like I, I do a lot of like cool other personal projects that I like working on for fun. And then I, and I just never get the time around to just sit and just think. Do you have any, do you have any advice? Because I feel sometimes I get very distracted very easily. So like, for example, I'll give you like, let's say I have a to-do list. Like I use Notion, right? For my to-do list. Um, and so I'll have like, let's say 10, 15 things and you do today. Um, and then one of them will be like, think and just, just sit and think. But I just feel like, do you prefer doing that before you start? Like after, after the work, like when your mind's still stimulating, like how do you just go from uh, like a being zoned in and working to all of a sudden just being like, okay, let me, let me just think. Like, you know what I mean? I think it's like. No, I think life is all about compartmentalizing things. You know, uh, from my understanding, you don't use Google Calendar, do you? I do. You do use Google Calendar. Yeah. Okay, fine. So my advice to you, or you're using Notion or whatever your, 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 your listing is, put that time in your calendar, like block it out. You know, okay. say, hey, this, because if you're working on something you're like, oh, I should just think now, then you're, you're taking focus away from what you have to do at that given time. And yeah, no, sometimes you will daydream and you will, uh, you know, wonder a bit, but you can always mm -hmm. come back. So what I do is that I've literally started putting blocks of time in my calendar of, hey, this is just my time. Uh, and then Saturdays, man, Saturdays is some, like Saturdays I, I take out for myself to, to work on my personal projects. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was thinking like what some sometimes what I do is I would have, like I used to block time, but then I, I would have trouble sticking to it. So then I went, I went to this sort of thing where I just put like things that I have to get done today. And then I was like, it's fine. I can just sleep. Like I'll just sleep after I get them all done. That's what I used to do before. Um, but I don't think, I, I think I should probably switch to, to the Google, Google calendar and try, try that out. It might actually help. I mean, me. sometimes you can't do everything. Uh, so another technique that I've done is like, I have an Asana board. I'm pretty sure that boards on, on, on notion as well. But what I do is I have a general list of everything that I would love to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have a list for each project and then I have a list for to do today. So depending on the tasks that I want to get done for the day, I will move that particular task to that vertical on that board. Okay. 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 I see. Yeah. And then you can't, and then you start your day or you end the previous day by planning the, the next day. Okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. I see. I see. That makes sense. That makes sense. But I guess um, when, when you're working on different projects, like how many projects do you take on at a time? Like, do you have like a certain list where you're like, okay, I'm not taking any more companies and this is getting to like, what's your cap? Like, what's your, is it like five companies you can work with simultaneously, six companies? Like, how do you, how do you manage that? And like, what's the metric you use to be like, okay, that's enough. I can't take any more companies right now. So it really depends on the people, right? So I will never overcommit. Okay. Right. Uh, I will only commit what I can deliver. So I, I know how many people I have in my organization. I have an Excel sheet that shows me who's working on what. And I will only pick up work when some people are getting freed up. Um, or I would hire for certain jobs that I know that, okay, this is going to be a really awesome job and I need to hire somebody. But now we've also reached a sweet spot in our organization of the number of people we want working. And with this team, I think, I think the sweet number is about five to seven projects at, okay. at a given time. Okay. 
Okay, I see. But you've worked with a lot of... And we say no to people. You, oh, yeah, you say we no say no to, no to people. Yeah. If we don't have bandwidth, we say no. Okay. You say like, no, then we'll, we'll get back to you. When we're free, just like, no, and then if they follow up, then, then you let them know. Or is it like... No, no, no. It's no, I'm not available right now. And maybe I'll try referring them to somebody else. Okay. Okay. I see. But you've worked with a lot of companies, um, specifically some coming out of like Y Combinator or some who either in Y Combinator through Y Combinator, like have, you work with them and then they go through Y Combinator. Like uh, I'm, I'm wondering like, what is it, what have you noticed that that's uh, different between the founders um, who end up going into YC or, or really making it and doing well versus the founders who like versus the other founders? Like, what is it, what is it about them that you're like, that you're like, okay, like this is sort of what stands out. All right, so uh, we worked with two YC uh, companies. One was Safe and the other one was Abhi. And I think what sets them apart is that they're just very well groomed. You know, they're people who have a good background. They understand business. They understand people, and um, and they know what the hell they're doing. You know. Okay. Um, and and they have focus. So I think that's what I would say would be the difference between the normal founders and YC founders. Like their knowledge on design and stuff like that. Like, is it, is it a lot? Is it not a lot? Like, how is it, how would you say? So see knowledge on design, right? It's, it's like design itself is a speciality, right? That you kind of develop. It's like a skill. What's good about founders is that they know the value of design and they know when to plug it in. So for them, design, a good founder knows that design is not only going to make their product look good, but it will ensure that their product works. And if they ensure that their product works and there's more adoption and conversion on that product itself. Okay. Okay. So I guess there are, there are times though when you're not really worried about the design, but then I guess like once you actually start gaining traction, then you want to sort of like, would you agree with that? Or do you think that you should be worried about the design from the beginning? Like, what do you think? I think design needs to be embedded in everything, right? If, if, if your product's not well designed, it's not going to work. And if it's not going to work, nobody's going to use it. And, and your first, your first impressions, your early adopters essentially set the trajectory for, for your product roadmap. Okay. Okay. So what I would say is like, don't build out every feature. You mm-hmm. don't have to do that. But whatever you're building out, make sure it's doing what it's meant to be doing. Okay. Yeah, because I guess that is design, right? Like, I guess, yeah, the definition that you use. Yeah, it doesn't have to look good. It doesn't have to look good. It needs to work. It has to work. Okay. Okay. I see. I, I think I speak on behalf of everybody who knows you and they say, like, what, when is uh, a mango uh, happening again? When is that? When is that? Uh, going on, but give, give impression what a mango is. So people know what it is, and then when's the uh, yeah. when's uh, <laughs> so for the people who don't know what a mango is, a mango is a premium gift gifting service for the best mangoes out there, and and we're trying to create a great mango experience that nobody's had before by bringing unique varieties of mangoes that people haven't tried. Uh, believe it or not, there are over 150 man- mango varieties in the world, or in Pakistan at least. Maybe there are more in the world. Um, so, I mean, it was just a, a side project that I started. Um, how did you get the idea during the like, pandemic? Like, how did you just get the idea? Like, the way I got the yeah. it's like I'm going to give people a mango experience. Like, how is it? How does it just yeah, occur? Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So the way it happened was that I had a friend who uh, whose name is Aman and whose name is in the brand itself. So it's Aman Go. Oh, uh, so Aman Go. Sing, I'll sing it right. And uh, yeah, no, no, it's it's a mango, but his name is in it too. Okay. So um, he was a mango exporter, and his business went uh, like it, were, it completely closed down during the pandemic. So I said, you know, you you know mangoes. I know branding. Let's make a mango brand. That time there was only like one or two people who did that in the country, and the guy who was doing it, like Cachello Farms, was doing it for like fifty years. You know, so mm-hmm. they had been there for forever, like when the country started. So, um, what we had done was that we thought about okay, what makes us different than anybody else? Okay. And the only way we thought we could make ourselves different was by giving something that other people weren't giving. So the deeper we did research, we realized, oh, there's so many different mangoes that we haven't tried, and we when we think that other people wouldn't have tried it. And then we said the whole opening of the mango box should feel like you're opening a a iPhone box, right? So when you open a box yeah. of iPhone, it just feels perfect. You know that yeah. you can feel that. You know, so we wanted to create that for mangoes. Damn. So that's what we did. And uh, we did that in the first year and we did all right. Uh, second year uh, didn't go as well as we planned. Um, and the third year now, we're going to just do B2B. So we're not going to do B2C. Okay, so so B2B, like you're just going to be giving mangoes to like... So B2B meaning like, if, yeah, so only for, so before we were doing it to customers. Okay. So now we'll do from B to B to C. So customers of businesses. So a minimum order would be ten boxes of mangoes. Or, oh, or we won't okay. entertain you. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yes, yeah, because like larger, larger because, quantities. Yeah. Yeah. So customers have a lot of um customers can cause a lot of headaches. So we thought make it simple and and only sell to people who really want it. Okay. And who have less uh, hang-ups nah, i think what you guys do is really well like with the social media for a mango like it's actually like there's very few stories when i see them and i want to open them up and be like okay like let me see like what what, what what's going on with a mango it's like solid and i were uh we were just having uh we were at dinner and like we just saw uh a mango store like this is like a while back when it, when it was happening again and like um we're just so excited like you know you guys like go and you guys are like looking at the different mangoes it's just like, it's just like if you made if you made youtube videos about it like i would definitely watch like you should just you know what i mean like, it's just crazy it's crazy it's just fun. we thought about that we thought about doing a mango documentary but uh i don't know someday maybe because you take something because you're taking something so like i wouldn't think about it every time i go to karachi like i have mangoes and it's not it's not something i think about you know what i mean it's just more like okay there's mangoes there like in the fridge just like you know they'll just cut it and you can have it but this is sort of like a mango experience this is more like now every time i look at mangoes i'm thinking from like a different perspective I'm like this is crazy but what's your okay so then i'll just the a mango thing okay i'll just end with what's your favorite uh What's your favorite type? Because you said the different varieties. My 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 favorite type of mango. I mean, I've had everything, uh, and I still think the Sindri is the best mango. Okay, what's the worst one that you that you don't like that you tried? <laughs> what's the worst one? I think the worst one is definitely a Langra. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't even sound good. So, yeah. what do you mean? Try yeah, this? Langra and Langra in Urdu means a guy who's who has a limp. 
in his leg. <laughs> and it was named after is literally is def- is named after this guy who literally was a mango farmer who had who who had a limp or a broken leg or something. So his yeah. mangoes are known as langras. I think the the lesson learned is that if some I would definitely ask for the meaning of something before before I eat it because I wouldn't. Someone told me a mango is named after someone with a limp on his leg. I'm definitely not trying that specific mango. Yeah, like Anwar Ratol. Anwar yeah. Ratol is yeah. name is name is named after a person. You know. Yeah, Anwar. And it's very and it's very close. Yeah, and it's very close to a Bombay Alfonso type of mango. So. It's But really yeah, good. Actually, um, Amrutol is one of my favorite actually because I remember I remember. Uh, it's one. Yeah. It's a favorite of many people. Yeah, I remember being on the dinner table and like uh, speaking to my grandma and like she was she was saying, uh, uh, you know, like try this different type of mango and, and she's like, what's the mango? And I didn't know like mangoes had these these obscure names, right? Like I didn't know that. Like I just thought mangoes like it's a mango, man. You know what I mean? Like like I didn't know it was more than that. And then uh, so she was like, it's it's Amrutol, and I was like. And then so it took me a couple of days, like so then we made a joke out of it. Like every time I come down, I was like, and, and we'd say it like in the most widest accent ever, we'd be like, is there any Anwar Ratol? And like we just it's a good time. So just th- reminded me of that uh use useless story. But um uh I want to ask you about projects you're working on right now. What's uh what's what's the most exciting project you're working on right now? If you can share, I don't know if you sign an NDA or something, but if you can share. Yeah, yeah, no, I think one of the most exciting projects that we're working on right now is the digitization of the kiriana shop so what that means is uh, i mean you don't have like the corner shops right and the mom and pop corner shops okay. that have uh, and they're not digitized so we're digitizing them in which we're allowing them to have a point of sales device they have complete inventory management they can purchase um, goods on credit and they can also maintain and they allow their customers to buy on credit uh, known in pakistan known as a khata system in which you have you maintain a ledger that allows you to see what money is owed to you so you can even set on credit so people uh, use so, like sorry do you use like a credit cards then a lot of cards like how does that work cuz if you're buying it on credit then how is that so uh, i mean credit card penetration is very low in pakistan so what credit means is like and this is like a cultural thing so even if you you know top choice around the corner in karachi mm-hmm. near our house yeah so it's a corner shop right and what we do is we go there and we shop there and the total amount we just say oh add this to my account you know we we maintain an account with this corner shop oh bank. okay okay and and then we settle the bill at the end of the month now what happens is that when this guy and he has this big diary that he's literally writing in so mm-hmm. at the end of every month he literally has to like call every single person say hey please settle your credit please oh, settle okay. your credit so now you like a lot of companies have digitized that so it allows a person to send automatic reminders for their bills to be settled so like okay i see it's just the Okay. Okay. So, so you. It's go a very eastern. It's a very eastern. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine you go to Seven Eleven. You tell the guy, you know what? I'll pay you at the end of the month. He probably like <laughs> screw off. You know. Yeah. Exactly. No. No. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like keep the account open yeah, until then. You can yeah. buy on credit. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's amazing. You just rock up to the shop. You're like, hey, give me an ice cream and chips and a coke, and you just say, hey, just write it down, and okay. you leave. You pay for you pay for at the end then. 
So basically you're making it so yeah. it's a reminder for you. So the so the the customer gets a reminder when to actually pay, basically. Um yeah. And that's one guy, of the features of the product. Does the guy need to have like a like you said he's writing in his book? So does he need to have like I'm sure he needs to have like a computer or, or something, right? So that he can actually yeah, manage yeah. it. Yeah, so you we so we give them an entire uh digital POS system. It's okay. a tablet with a printer, a scanner. Oh damn! And then damn. all these, and then all this stuff inside it. It's pretty cool. Damn! It's called so then, it's called Aladdin. <laughs> so then wait. So then you um uh, so is that like? Because I'm just wondering. So the 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 solution, like the digital solution, is for the business, right? So I'm sure the so the business is technically paying for the entire thing. So that's why you can afford to give them like the like the tablet and things like that. I'm assuming. Yeah, and so and then they buy the tablet on credit too, right? Because again, a lot of these shops, there's a lot of resistance. They've been doing the same thing for for so many years, so you're getting them to change their ways, right? Mm-hmm. And and the you and the reason why they're going to change their ways is because at the end of each day, they know exactly what their profit and loss was for the day, and and they can completely plan their inventory, they can plan their purchasing, they know mm-hmm. which customers owe them what money, and they just have more visibility on how their business is run. Yeah. So then, so like with these, uh, with these companies, like, I mean, not these companies, like I, like for the example you gave, like you just keep the, you keep the tab open almost and then you pay at the end. But I'm just wondering, like, is it only for recur- like returning customers or is it like, or like who are, who always return? Or is it just for anybody who walks in and buys something like keep the account open? Cause then they could just never come back. You know yeah. I mean? Look, you got to establish a relationship, right? Like it's, it's on the owners of the shop owner who he wants to give credit to okay you know so if you've come a couple of times and i know where you who you are where you live and and i'll put in your cnic details so meaning i'll put in your your uh, national id number so at least yeah. i can track you okay 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 i see that makes sense i guess like um i'm, I'm curious to know what like, so, I mean, you notice an increase in demand for design since you started till now. I mean, I know for sure over here, I mean, like, it's crazy how many things um, I come across just in general whenever I'm doing my own side projects. I'm like, I'm like, if anybody's listening to this and like, you're a designer, like, please hit me up, like, especially if you're in Waterloo or in Ontario. Um, but I just want to know, like, what is your, have you noticed like a, a, a serious increase in demand and specifically in, in Karachi? What you do? Yeah. So when I started five years ago, there was not enough demand, and now there's so much demand that there's no not enough supply of designers to actually do the work, or at least not enough quality designers to do the work. Okay. So how would you say that the so quality designers? So what would you? How do you distinguish distinguish between a quality designer and just a normal designer? Like what makes someone a really good designer? A guy who can do his job properly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like how do you do it's like how you distinguish between a good golfer and a bad golfer right like yeah oh, yeah uh, sure i mean no but then again that would be no that, that'd very, be, that's that's actually that's a lot that's no. actually very big it's not that simple because if you think about it, like good golfer according to who right like a good golfer like i could not be a good golfer no, according to like john Rahm or Rory mcelroy uh, no according according to their handicap right like yeah we're not yeah, saying exactly. you need to be steve jobs right we're trying yeah. to say look it's a person who can get the job done right like okay. a good designer is a person who understands people who understands how to solve a problem and and can design solutions to meet those human needs right okay. and if you have the ability to think through that mm-hmm. um you're a good designer right 
if you okay. don't know how to solve someone's problem you're not a good designer okay so and if you're and if you're making things just look pretty you're an artist okay so in karachi it's like for do you think there is enough a bit like an education for quality designers to to uh to like appear like do, do you think that or do you think that there needs to be some more education around that matter so you need a lot of education and that's something that we definitely advocate for too so i teach at the universities uh to make sure that we're starting to get more talent we're also looking to set up our own design uh training center so we can create more talent in the country oh sick that's really cool wait so um what universities do you teach at like for so i've taught at the indus valley school of arts in here in karachi and i'm also looking into teaching at habib university pretty soon okay 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 that, that's really cool i mean if you like if you actually did a what be really cool if you did a crash course for beginners if you did like a small thing um on that you should actually look at that honestly like if you did a little course you design it yourself and you work on it let's say like an hour a day or like half an hour a day and you put it on udemy i think like honestly i would i mean i'd be interested in it. i'm sure people listening to this who don't know anything about design would be interested because you know how much it sucks just wanting to like i'm like i'm trying to release an ad right just trying to test out like a different thing um and like a different idea and like i'm on canva like design the shittiest thing and i'm just thinking like and i have no sense i mean i have a sense of like what looks good and what not what doesn't look good but the difference is like when i think like oh this looks good and then i give it to you you're like oh this is like just terrible and like then you then you okay. do something that look makes it look way better so i'm like if you could just do like a little crash course that's so like it at least you can have beginners become like okay you know what i mean like it's like something like that yeah ali let me let me let me correct you again design is not about looking good right what is design yeah. meant to do Tell me, it's what is design to make, meant to it's, do? It's meant to make things easier, right? Basically, to solve. It's meant to solve problems, a problem, right? Problem, yeah. So again, like if your design on Canva looks good or doesn't look good, that's secondary. Is your design on Canva communicating what you need to communicate? And if it's successful at doing that, then you've done yeah, the job. Yeah, right. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I see. Right. I see. So, and as far as yeah. the course is concerned, man, they're enough. design courses available online that are absolutely brilliant you know mm-hmm. uh, i don't you need to make any? another course right you recommend any uh i mean i would recommend going on interactiondesign.org and they have all the best ux courses out there and then okay. and then for your hardcore design skills like your art skills within design uh, skillshare is a great 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 place to get really good skills This podcast is not sponsored by Skillshare, but I hope one day it is. Um, but okay, so so um, and so so you do your craft. So you basically do um, design workshops, and those are I'm assuming for people who actually have a background in design. Um, and no, like for, no, not necessarily. No, no. So I come across you. No, you know, I just did. I just yeah, I just did a design workshop in the a remote city in the middle of nowhere. for a socks manufacturing company <laughs> the second largest that, socks manu- what yeah, yeah. you where, where? hired me they hired me faisalabad okay oh that's why you on the floor okay okay uh, wait yeah, so yeah i was in faisalabad and uh, uh, there's a company called interloop and there's a second largest socks manufacturer in the world and they wanted their people to learn uh, how to solve problems better so Damn. they hired me to train them on design thinking so i did a two day workshop for them to teach them the basics of how they can use the principles of design 
That's, and this is not that's visual design thing. again. Yeah, this, this is, is like the process, solving problem. problem solving. So what would you like? What, can yeah. you give an example of like a task you do for someone to get better at solving problems? Like one thing I do is like I program and like I solve problems using like programming, which helps me like get better. Yeah, at but just... programming comes way later, bro. First, you got to identify the problem that exists, right? Mm-hmm. So, no, no, I mean like no, I mean like getting better at, at at solving problems for me is like I'll find a tough problem to solve and then I'll write a program to solve that problem. For me, that's that helps me like in, yeah, in but, that aspect. But, but that's yeah, but that's that's sometimes you're solving your own problem, right? Yeah. What design does it helps you solve other people's problems, and the way you do that is literally by talking to people and understanding their pain points. You know, and if there are enough mm-hmm. people who have the same pain point then that's a problem worth solving so what's an example of like a like a like a little workshop or a little task you do to help someone like in employees of a sock manufacturing company to get better at uh, at solving like um at well, solving yeah problems. well they need to they need to speak to people right so the first thing is speak to the person that you have a problem with so often people are operating silos within their own departments so for instance if they get, if somebody in the product design department gets uh, a query from the sales department, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, but this is that and that is this. And then all you do is, hey, go and talk to the sales guy, understand what his challenges are in working with the product team. And once you speak to him, you'll understand the challenges. He'll understand your challenges. And together you'll come up with a solution to solve that. And that's what design does. It just okay. gives you a framework to think in. So design thinking really just gives you a framework to work with, to think in. And the first thing is just to build empathy. It's like, hey, I'm not going to assume what your problem is. I'm going to actually talk to you and actually figure out what your problem is. Okay. Okay, I see. Yeah, because I feel like... And then I can go and write a program for it. And then you can go and write a program for it. Mm -hmm. I see. And you also need to figure out, is it a real problem? Is it worth solving? Like most people don't realize, oh, I have a great idea. Let me just build it. And they don't realize that <laughs> it was probably yeah. not a problem worth solving. A, like you're not even solving a problem that people actually like actually think is a problem. I don't know exactly what you mean yeah. by that. Um, okay. That I know that's that's for sure. That's really cool, man. I think I honestly think you should write a blog and you should have a blog where you write interesting stories like about like uh, different experiences you've had because you travel a lot, right? How often do you travel? Like I saw, I keep seeing on your story, you're on a plane like every week or well, that was the case at least. Like, I mean like you're, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. So I how, travel a lot. And I think the problem, I think the problem also that I only post on Instagram when I travel. So, so people also think that I'm always traveling, but yeah, I do travel a lot. I am traveling again next week to Lahore. <laughs> so, um, what, so what's happening in Lahore? Is it, like a, is, is that uh, another design uh, thinking? Yeah, so I thought that in Ramadan, I would not travel and I would get a four-week break, but that's not the case. Uh, I'm traveling to work with another really interesting company called Taraki. And what Taraki is doing is that uh, they're solving the challenge for blue-collar workers to find jobs. And so they're building an app uh, that allows blue-collar workers to find jobs, apply for jobs, and get uh, and have a community uh, around that so they can upskill themselves so i'm traveling to lahore to do a brand building activity with them oh wow yes yeah, so, so you try so yeah. how often do you travel like is it, is it it's not really like a consistency it's more just like if it comes something comes out then i go is it more like that yeah yeah of course 
if you yeah i mean you 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 can't just travel aimlessly unless it's holiday mm-hmm. which i would love to do all the time but uh, yeah, you went to Maldives, before. Right? So, before you just went to you just came yeah, back. I went to Maldives. Yeah, uh, how yeah, was that? I went to Maldives. Oh. So, um, absolutely amazing. It was the first four days I've taken off in two and a half years where I was that's crazy. pretty much almost completely disconnected, which was it was just perfect. It was so refreshing. I was like dreaming about the beach for like a week after. Damn. But I guess you really love what you do, right? So in a way, when you're traveling, these things like there's an there's a part of you that finds it really fun. Or am I wrong? Or like you're not really? Is it like getting a bit tiring now? No, no, I love I love my work. I mean, if you're a founder of an organization and you're not loving what you're doing, then then I don't know why you're doing it. Find some find something else then, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or just get a job. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so like, okay, yeah, so so. Traveling wise, though, I just want to go back on that. So, what was it? What did we come to? So, was it you just travel whenever, like you, you ever was a week? Like, I think it seems like you're traveling every week, was like every two weeks. How, how often do you travel in a month? Yeah, I think at least twice a month, once or twice a month, I'm traveling for sure. Okay, okay. And how long is like so? How long are you staying in Lahore and then how and then when do you come back next week? I just literally this this next week, I, I go eight in the morning. And I do my iftar after sunset, and I'm flying back the same day. I'm not even staying a night. Oh, okay. How long is the flight to Lahore? Two hours, one and a half hours, two hours. Okay, okay. So it's not so, it's not so bad, I guess. No, it's not. What about Faisalabad? Just wondering, like, what's the flight to Faisalabad? I don't know. I've never been. I think it was around the same time, an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. Are you looking in? Uh, are you looking to expand your work like abroad? You or do you only want to stay remote in, in Pakistan? Well, uh, I would like to expand abroad, but again, as as I said, it comes down to designing your organization, right? So if you can get the processes down right, mm-hmm. then you have the ability to scale. And yeah, I would love to come back to Canada and yeah, you, you should know, you should come, man. Come stay with us and like just there's so many. You know how many times I've gotten a. a yeah, it's just like you should you should actually just come visit when you when you come into Canada, by the way. Like when you when you see yourself coming back. It's been a while since 2019. You can you were here. Yeah, yeah in 2019. I mean, I don't have a visa anymore. Um, oh true. So true. I need to apply for a visa and then then mm-hmm. I'll think about it. But I don't see myself coming to Canada for at least two, another two years. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah, no, because I'm thinking it'd be cool. Like um I think a lot, honestly, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of cool things you, you could do here. I think a lot of businesses need the work that you do. Um, I mean, just because like, I can tell they need it. And like, if I can tell they need it, then I'm sure and the amount of value you can provide here be pretty cool in that, in that aspect. But I want to, I want to slowly just end off with uh, this question, which is um, where do you ultimately see yourself in 10 years? It's a question I'm terrified of, but I want to ask you uh, that question. 10 years, I mean, that would put me at, I mean, to, close to retirement. Close to retirement. I, would, I, I, would, I, I don't mind being like semi-retired by the time I'm 40, 45. Okay. And uh, I see myself embedded in the education and design community of Pakistan. Where so what do you people about design? Primary, yeah, where I'm primarily just teaching people about design okay okay i see 
I see, I see. Yeah, that's cool, man. I think that I think that that must be also must that must feel very fulfilling as well, right? Like when you're teaching people, like you enjoy that aspect of it when you when you're teaching people and yeah, yeah, I love it. I love teaching. I live to teach. That's awesome. It's why awesome. I do what I do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Hasma. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. I know you're really, really busy flying to Lahore and like these different companies you're working with. So I appreciate it. Um, but we have to have you on again sometime. I know, I know for sure it's like one of those things whenever people have guests on again. So I mean, definitely, definitely. This isn't the last time you're gonna be on the podcast for sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing the advancements and and uh, things we can talk about after and other uh, experiences you go through, whether it's like going to see a sock company, Festabad, maybe it'll be like a shoe company like Lahore or something that'd be fun to sort of discuss <laughs> these things. But I really think that what would be really cool, man, is if you if you blog um, these different things that happen. Medium is like really easy. I blog on Medium. This isn't sponsored by Medium. I'm just I'm just plugging it because I think it's like really cool. Um, I like I, I blog all the time and I think that like I would honestly I'm not even kidding you I'm not just saying this I would actually read your blog if you blog about experiences that you had they're really interesting um and then you, know, you can just draft it and like you want someone to edit it they can edit it for you just for like grammar and stuff for like that but it's like I think it'd be really cool you should look into it at least I know you're really busy but just look into it it's a good way to de-stress also away. yeah sure I think uh, thanks for the advice and and good luck with your podcast thanks awesome take care